When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed. I've had him on before and it's been fun to watch his rise in the profession. He got here because he worked at it, but more importantly, because he combined that work with terrific insight. He played quarterback in college, and while he can analyze other spots, today I'm mostly focused on the top quarterbacks available in the draft as we get closer to the Senior Bowl, where most of them will be competing. Plus, some inside linebacker possibilities at 11. Both areas will be in play for this team. I know they do not have an interest in all of these quarterbacks. They've been studying this group for a while, so they've been able to cut back on some but it's still important to provide context and, anal- and analysis on each one. And who knows, maybe they go, maybe these quarterbacks go to the senior bowl and start changing the, and maybe change the minds of some of these scouts, coaches, et cetera. And to also know how this group compares not only to last year's first rounders, but those picked after that round, you can follow Jordan on Twitter at Jordan underscore read R E I D. No, he's not the former tight end. And you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now talking about why Ron Rivera thinks this is a good time to be aggressive pursuing a quarterback, more more aggressive. It also matters that he's entering year three and they're 13 and 19 in the first two years combined. You don't want a third losing season, not only under owner Dan Snyder, but under any owner. Because of that, I don't think a rookie quarterback will be the first option for them, not someone from this class necessarily. I believe they'll have their quarterback before the draft, but in case they don't, Someone here will be in play. And it's possible that they also sign a free agent quarterback and then combine that with one of these quarterbacks, maybe in the second or third round, because there are some guys there that I believe they like. So with that, here's my conversation with ESPN draft analyst, Jordan Reed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsbook betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Jordan, you know, you are becoming a very popular guy and well-deserved. So it's been fun to watch you rise, and it's nice to have you at the same company. Um, first of all, before I get into this, what's it been like for you since you, you know, with this rise, has it kind of been, you know, remarkable for you? I mean, it's deserved, but what's it been like for you? Well, it's been great. The transition has definitely been fun field for sure. Just working with Mel and Todd so far, they both have been very helpful during my transition to ESPN. And it definitely is a dream come true for me. Just being a kid that grew up watching the draft and watching Todd and Mel argue back and forth and now being in those exact discussions with both of those guys, is definitely a dream come true for me. But I'm just humbled and I'm blessed to be here, John. I'm very thankful. Well, I'm glad you can get a word in when you're with them. <laughs> right. That's what I always tell them. <laughs> there you go. Well, listen, I wanted to have you on to talk about quarterbacks right now, since that's going to be the heavy pursuit for Washington this all. And the main I know it would be the head. Well, it will be the heaviest and they need some other parts, but quarterbacks, the most important, we all know that. And I wanted to take a look. We have the senior bowl in a couple of weeks. So um, first of all, all those quarterbacks will be down at the senior bowl. How important is that for the evaluation for these teams and specifically Washington? It's crucial, especially when we're talking about a quarterback one race that probably could come all the way down to draft day. And this is something we haven't seen really since the 2017 or excuse me, the 2018 draft when Baker Mayfield ended up going number one overall. Right. And I think this I think the senior bowl is very similar to that one as well. When we saw Baker and Josh Allen down in Mobile. But the difference with this one is that we're going to have five of the top quarterback candidates actually going head to head, side by side in action against each other with really the only one not going is Matt Corral. And that's a name you're obviously going to be here attached to Washington a lot leading up to the draft. But as far as the other five guys, we're going to hear all of their names leading up to the draft attached to the Washington football team. So I'm really excited to see all five of these guys throw in person. But this draft is a little bit different, John, just because the past three or four years, we've really seen that guy really jump out as the number one overall pick, whether it was Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow or even Trevor Lawrence a year ago. This year isn't really the case. That isn't really the case this year with this year's group. And Kenny Pickett probably is the one that's been the most consistent. And he's probably the one you're going to see probably go the earliest if he does stay on schedule as far as everything clearing or staying clean during the pre-draft process. So I'm interested to really see how this group does unfold over the next few months. And then when, when they're at the senior bowl, what do you think will be some of the little things they're going to separate guys because it's not always going to be it's not always going to be what we see on TV or what people say. What are some of the little things that you think could separate some of these guys, even behind the scenes or, or whatever? Well, the meetings are going to be very crucial with each team. And I kind of compare it to speed dating in a sense. And it's not like the combine of where you only get 15 to 20 minutes with each guy. With the senior bowl, you really can take your time with each guy. And you're really just checking off the boxes that you heard from position coaches or the head coaches and making sure that everything aligns with the information that the area scouts received or what they got from some of the information or the intel that they got from some of the people that are within the building or what they heard from the agents or any other reps that they do have. So the big thing that I think is going to separate some of these guys is just the leadership qualities and how they interact with some of the teammates that are on the field with them. Who's the leader? Who's the more laid back guy? And then just how they adjust 
to some inadequate surroundings or some unfamiliar surroundings, I should say. They're not throwing to the guys that they went through summer workouts with or really the recruiting classes that they came in with, the receivers or the tight ends or the running backs that they're used to throwing to on campus. Now they have to adjust to some unfamiliar surroundings and also deal with some upper echelon talent or more talented players that they were accustomed to on a weekly basis. So let's take a look at some of these individuals then, too. Let's start with Kenny Pickett because he's the first name usually mentioned. And I think even I think you had him as your top quarterback, too. You had an article last month where people want to go back and read it very in-depth on all these guys. I think it was in late December. But just do Google on that. Worth your time. But that was your the top guy you had. And most people, I think, would say that. What What do you like about him and what's the biggest question about him? Well, the thing that really stands out about Kenny is just the accuracy, knowing where to go with the ball. He's very decisive. And then also, he was just healthy this year, John. Last year, he was battling through an ankle injury that he injured during the fifth game of the season. And you could just tell that he was laboring. He wasn't very mobile, and he had to win a whole bunch from the pocket, which is a part of his game. But also, he operates really well outside of the pocket. He can make some of those sandlight type of plays where he's just throwing up miraculous balls. And he actually played with the Bolitnikov winner this year, Jordan Addison. Um, from Pitt, a player that we talk, we'll be talking about a lot next year. But with Pickett, just the decisiveness, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. I gave it kind of a B-plus type of yeah. grade as far as the arm strength, but he wins with anticipation too. He knows where to go with the football. So some of those windows, he's really able to attack just because he knows where his weapons are going to be. And I think that's something that we're going to see at the Senior Bowl too. So I'm really excited to see Kenny. He's one of the more experienced players in this group. He has over 50 starts to his credit. So experience is something that's definitely going to be on his side too. One of the things when when I've talked to people here, I mean, Ron Rivera, I had him on the podcast last week, mentioned quick twitch. He wants guy, you know, and I think every coach wants a guy who has that quick twitch. But that's something that they're really looking for. And I also think that when they would go back and watch Heineke, Taylor Heineke, that it's the um, you can make certain throws when everything's clean. How do you throw when it's not clean? How's the arm when it's when the pocket is when you can't step into that throw? Does, where, how does Pickett and some of these other guys, um, how do they play out in those areas? Well, if we're using quick twitch to describe a quarterback, it would be Matt Corral. And that was actually the word that I used when I released the QB primer for him, just because he kind of has that game that is reminiscent of a baseball player, an infielder. Everything is just quick with him. He has very quick feet. He has a lightning quick release. And then he's a very quick decision maker, too. That's something that really stands out in that Lane Kiffin type of offense that really relies on quarterbacks being very decisive as far as a decision maker, a lot of RPOs and just quick decisions to be made in that offense. But with Corral, I think the thing that has helped him a lot this year is that he took better care of the football. He actually had 11 interceptions in two games alone back in 2020. He threw six against Arkansas and then five against LSU. And then this year, he reduced that number all the way down to five total. So just taking better care of the football and then combine that with the quick twitch ability, him being a decisive decision maker, and then – just the arm strength. I think he has a very strong arm, too. I think he has one of the stronger ones outside of um, Malik Willis. I think him and Malik Willis probably have the strongest arms across the strong. I put him in that conversation, too. We'll get to him in a second. But with Corral, I think the biggest adjustment for him is just going to be transitioning out of that Lane Kiffin offense just because it is very quarterback friendly. There's going to be some post-snap responsibilities that he's responsible for on the next level that I think is going to take a little bit of an adjustment period for him. And that's what I was going to ask you, too, because also that system is very up-tempo and RPO-friendly. So 
what's that transition like? And that's where I wonder about the fit here, because that's not, they, they don't want to just operate out of the gun, which is what he did there. How big will that transition be for him then? It's tough just because it's a case-by-case basis. And then there's other players that we've seen in years past that have played in that air raid, up-tempo, RPO type of scheme, but they've adjusted really well on the next level. So it's just a matter of the mental capacity and then just how much he can regurgitate as far as from a terminology and then just verbiage standpoint. And like I said, it's just a case-by-case basis with the quarterback, and you really don't know until you get him into the building. Malik Willis, your take. I'm a big fan. Uh, I'm probably going to be higher on Malik than a lot of other draft Knicks or analysts that you'll see. I just really need to see him look competent at the senior bowl just because, and I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen, but I think his evaluation is very similar to Josh and that he just did not play with a whole bunch of NFL level type of talent at Liberty. And what you saw was him develop a bunch of bad habits. And he's that type of quarterback of where he's going to go on a bootleg and he's going to throw it back across his body. He's going to throw an interception, but that very next play, He's going to throw a deep ball down the sideline, 60 yards down the field and drop it in the bucket. So he's probably the rawest of any of the quarterbacks coming out this year. But I think he has the most upside of all of them. Now, it's going to take some patience with him. But I think as far as from a Washington standpoint, they have that placeholder in place that you can be patient with Malik. That's why I could see Washington entertaining him. Excuse me. Now, 11 is a little bit early for him. I think he probably could go in the late teens to early 20s. Now, that's prior to the Senior Bowl. Now, if he goes and tears it up at the Senior Bowl, now we're talking about him definitely rising just because with the quarterback tax and then just the supply and demand of the position, those guys are always going to be pushed up the board. But Malik Willis, supremely talented, but extremely raw. You know, it's funny because there are some times when you watch him that, like you said, he throws some deep balls and are like, holy holy cow. I mean, those are like, they're dimes. And then and when he runs, he makes guys miss because he's got that special talent. And then I don't, you know, you see that. And then the next week he throws three picks and it's like, well, where, you know, where is he? And so, you know, in terms of development, what does he have to develop? Do you think the most? I think just understanding how to control and hone in his abilities. I think he plays so much hero ball of that Hmm. is really become implanted in his brain that he has to make a miraculous play on every single play when it's okay to just get on base. Sometimes he likes to hit a home run every single time when he's out on the field. So I think he has to understand that it's okay to hit the check down here or not go deep on the certain pass, go to that second, third, or even fourth option, check it down to your running back or just simply run on some play. So I think just honing in the hero ball and then just understanding that it's okay to hit a single as a, instead of a triple or a home run every single time you're up to bat. Do you think some of that hero ball stuff, is that does that stem from feeling like, hey, I'm playing at Liberty, the, the way I can only impress these guys is to make those big plays? Because if you take some of those little plays, in his mind, does, is that it? Or do you think there's just like an inherent nature – for him because you can extend plays and like you see that with guys who can extend plays you see that with baker mayfield you see that with a lot of guys who can extend plays they play that hero ball what do you think that stems from i think it's a combination of a lot of things i think he just has an overwhelming trust in his abilities and he's seen himself throw the ball 60 yards on a dime down the field so he feels as if he can push the ball down the field in any adequate situations possible. It's kind of like putting your hand in the cookie jar. You get two cookies your first time. All those times after that, you're going to try to get those two or three cookies after that too. So I think it's a, it's a combination of just having an overwhelming trust in his abilities, but sometimes it's okay to put your hand in the cookie jar and just get one cookie out sometimes. So just understanding that 
like I said, it's just okay to hit single sometimes as opposed to those triples or home runs every single time he's up to bat. So in a minute, I'm going to go get some cookies for some reason. But I, before that, <laughs> it's, uh, um, Des Ritter, another one. Yeah, he's one that's really, really interesting. And he, like Kenny Pickett, he has a lot of experience. I think 46 career starts to date. And he's probably the one that's the most polished of the group. And they did a fantastic job with him at Cincinnati. And he's really good with going through progressions. He has a very clean release. He's an underrated athlete. They used him a lot in the quarterback zone read games. He had a lot of explosive plays throughout his career. But the thing about Pickett, excuse me, the thing about Ritter is that everybody wanted to see how he played against Alabama. And I thought he was okay. Um, I thought they kept the playbook a little bit vanilla, more vanilla than my liking. I would like to see him push the ball a little bit more down the field. And I understand that there was a supreme disadvantage in the trenches. But I wanted to see him play a little bit better in that game. But it's from a from a polished standpoint, knowing protections, knowing where to go with the ball, audibling at the line of scrimmage. I think him and Carson Strong probably are the two best as far as walking through the door and having the polish with knowing the NFL game right away. But I like Ritter a lot. Um, first round does worry me a little a little bit with him. So probably the top 45 range, okay. that's probably where I would be comfortable with taking him. And, and that's what I can say. I think I think he would tempt them in the second round. Um, just because, and I think if you go get him, you're probably getting another veteran, whether, or you stick with Taylor or you have a veteran that you get, let's say a Trubisky or somebody else to pair with him as the bridge, as a stronger bridge, maybe, and try to develop him because he seems to have some tools that are very much worth developing. Yeah, he has plenty of tools and you've seen that throughout his career. He's progressively gotten better every single year. And that's what you want to see with these quarterbacks. I thought he had a really good year, especially pushing the ball down the field. I thought it was much more accurate down the field. Now, he does struggle a little bit in the middle of the field. I think that's something where he does need to improve upon. And then the biggest area that he needs to improve is just the ball placement. A lot of times you'll see him throw behind or too far in front of guys. So just improving the ball placement. I think the accuracy is there with him. It's just knowing where to place the ball in certain situations. And how do you get better with that? It's tough. It's kind of one of those just naturally giving abilities from birth, honestly. So I think there's some footwork things that he can improve to help him okay. improve those ball placement areas. And then just understanding the placement of the defense. I think that's another area that can help you try to improve okay. the ball placement aspect too. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You brought up Carson Strong. I think he's another guy that would, you know, be very tempting. Probably, is he more of a second-round guy, you think? It all depends on the medicals, honestly, John. He has a knee situation yep, that's right. going on, and this happened when he was entering Nevada. It happened his right. senior year. 
of high school, he actually injured it playing basketball on the AAU circuit prior to coming to Nevada. And I think he's had three knee surgeries since at Nevada too. So medicals are gonna be the big thing with him. And then just the mobility aspect, I think that's gonna be another big question mark with him. Now, I think he's fine as far as navigating inside of the pocket. I think he's probably one of the better quarterbacks as far as navigating inside of the pocket and creating throwing windows. But when things get off script and he has to create outside of it, that's where the big question marks come with him. And that's when you know you, you bring that up too, because like every coach again wants mobility, but there's also two different kinds of mobility. There's you know, there's the Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson mobility, or there's a Tom Brady mobility, which is how to move within the pocket. And you say you feel like he does pretty well there. Yeah, he, he's fine inside of the pocket. I think he's one of the better as far as in pocket adjusters and navigators through it. Whenever there's, you know, D linemen in his face or things of that nature, I think he's fine there. But when he's flushed off of his spots or when they try to move the launch point in the playbook, I just think that's something where he does struggle. At. I think he had like a 44% completion percentage outside of the pocket. So clearly way, way below average. Are there any other quarterbacks besides that group? You know, I think you know, Western Kentucky has the Bailey Zap. Is there anybody outside that group that you think is like, this is a guy that people need to talk more about as we get closer to the draft? I did want to throw Sam Howe in there. Okay, too. that's right. I forgot about him. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I think he's one that can definitely help himself down at Mobile. And I'm really excited that he actually accepted his senior bowl invitation just because I think this is environment, a type of environment that he needs just because like Matt Corral, he's kind of in that quarterback friendly system where there's a lot of RPOs and in-breaking routes. But now being outside of that system, being in an NFL-centric type of playbook, now we'll be able to see him make those progression type of reads, reading left to right or right to left, full field or even half field read progressions, depending on what they have doing down there. So being outside of that playbook, we're going to see if he can sink or swim with it. And I'm really excited to see how he does. But I want to talk about him a little bit just because I think he's an interesting case that could end up being a first round type guy, too, just because he lost his top four weapons in the two right. running backs and. Uh, and the two receivers, I should say, and Daz Newsom and De'Ami Brown, and then the two running backs and Javante Carter, excuse me, Javante Williams, and then also Michael Carter. So he took a bit of an onus on himself as far as a rusher. I think he only had like 180 career rushing yards coming into the season. And then this past year, he had over 800. So that just goes to show you just how much more of a rushing, <clears throat> excuse me, responsibility that he had to take upon himself. But he's a really good deep thrower. Deep accuracy is something that he really excels at. But once again, the short to intermediate areas, there's just so much RPO in that Phil Longo, who's Carolina's offensive coordinator. That system is really hard to get a good gauge of how accurate he is and then those in those areas and just what routes he can throw. So I think of all the quarterbacks, he definitely can help himself the most just because Corral's obviously not playing in it. But being outside of that quarterback-friendly system, he can help himself a ton in Mobile. It seemed like, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I, wa I watched him a little bit earlier this year just because I wanted to catch him, and I haven't studied him. I, this is like an initial impression. It seemed like he liked to change his arm angles a lot. Um, did you see that? And what was, you know, because I, I can't remember which game it was. It was early in the year, and I liked the moxie. I thought he sort of moxie, but I felt like he was changing arm angles and it hurting his accuracy. Is that a fair take at all or, or not? No, it's very fair. And like Malik Willis, he's another player that had to play a ton of hero ball just because mm -hmm. they lost over 90 percent of their offensive production, losing those four guys. And it's kind of like he was growing with those new weapons as the year went along. So he's trying to learn these new weapons as well as trying to keep it and improve his draft stock, too. So I think this season was a really 
I think it was a really good lesson for him, just understanding who he is as a player. And then we really got to see who he was as a player, too. But once again, I think we really could see the true version of him down in Mobile just because he's going to be playing with NFL worthy talent. And now we're going to see him in that offensive playbook that is NFL like, too. So when you look at this class, and I know everybody's kind of been, I guess the narrative has always been to like, this is not as good a class. I've talked to some people here who feel like it's a good class, maybe not the depth. How would you characterize it? I think a lot of people are down on this class just because there isn't, once again, like we talked about a little bit earlier, there isn't that guy that jumps mm-hmm. out to you like we've seen with Kyler and Burrow and then Trevor Lawrence. But we has, we've been spoiled with quarterbacks over the past yeah. three or four years, John. And I think there's some talented guys that could end up being starters, but you kind of have to close your eyes and use your imagination a little bit more than what we've seen with some of these quarterbacks in years past. And they're gonna, It's going to take some time to develop a lot of these guys. And like any quarterback, it's all about landing spot like we saw with sure. Mac Jones this past year so I think the team that selects any of these quarterbacks they have to have the right infrastructure in place just because I think there's going to take a little bit more time and patience with some of these guys just because I don't think they're as talented as some of the quarterbacks we've seen in years past that's why you bring up Mac Jones and the the flip side of that was Justin Fields I never liked that he went there because I just thought it was a bad place for him but um, in terms of like this where would like a Kenny Pickett rank compared to last year's the, t- the five guys who went in the first round would he be be after those five or would he be in in somewhere wedged inside there yeah I think all these guys would be after those yeah. five guys we saw in the first round even Mac Jones I think he went with the 15th overall selection yep. if I'm not mistaken so yep. yeah I think all these guys will be a tier below those guys and like I said we've been so blessed and spoiled with the quarterbacks that we have seen in the quarterback classes that we have had in years past. And I think that's why a lot of people are so down on a lot of these quarterbacks coming out this year. Well, how would they compare then to, because the next tier with last year was Kyle Trask, Davis Mills. How would those, this group compare to those two? Um, I wasn't a huge fan of Trask or Mills. Honestly, I was a little bit higher on mind than those two. And we saw that, you know, the development, there's some questionable development aspects about what's happened on or what's going on there in Minnesota. I don't know the behind the scenes stuff of what's going on there. So I can't really speak on that, but I think, they would be a tier above all of those guys. Um, I think Zappy probably would be – he'd probably be in the mix with Trask and then okay. also Mills too. I think he probably would be in that tier. Um, but I think they would be a step above uh, all of those guys. The last one I want to talk about then was was Bailey from Zappy from Western Kentucky. And what's your, what's your take on him? You hear some things about him. Could be an interesting guy to watch possibly. Yeah, so it's funny just seeing his draft – his draft really his draft um his draft reputation really come full circle his draft stock come full circle just because last year so I was I was doing color commentary for a small all-star game called the tropical bowl and his name was actually on the roster he was going to declare he was going to come out and he was a quarterback from Houston Baptist at the time this was back in 2019 and I'm doing my research on him and I see he throws for over 500 yards and like seven or eight touchdowns against Texas Tech they lose the game by a field goal And I'm like, man, this guy is really, really intriguing. So I see that he's removed from the roster and he ends up transferring and he goes to Western Kentucky. And now he pops up this year and he breaks all of Joe Burrow's records. He throws for, what, 62 touchdowns and almost 6,000 yards this season. So he's another player that's definitely in that QB-friendly system, that air raid type system. Um, that is his coach is actually going back to Texas Tech now. He's going to Texas Tech. He just accepted the job there. So in that air raid quarterback-friendly system, And he's another one like Corral and then also like Sam Howell, where you want to see him outside that system. Just you want to see if he can operate an NFL type scheme, 
just can he really sink or swim and survive with some of, the th- some of these throws that he has to make? And like Kenny Pickett, he doesn't have a super, super strong arm, but he just knows always where to go with the football. And that's something that stands out with him. Obviously, the stats speak for themselves as far as knowing where to go with the football and then being accurate, too. So I don't want to shortchange him or anything like that. These top five quarterbacks are going to get a lot of the attention and mobile. But I want to see how Zabby competes and looks against some of these other guys, too, just because I think he probably could go in the third or fourth round. I think that's a fair range for him. But now if he performs well in Mobile, now we're talking about the top of the third round, like we saw with Trask, who went at the end of the second round. I think Mond and Davis Mills went in back-to-back picks at the top of the third. So I definitely think Zabby could be in that type of tier, once again, if he shows well in Mobile. The last thing I want to ask you about, too, um, is Mitch Trubisky. Now, obviously not in this draft class, but did you? How much did you study him when he was coming out? And you know, because to me, one of the options you, th- this team or any team looking for quarterback has sign a guy like Mitch and hope that maybe he becomes your guy and becomes a mid-tier guy, maybe. Or do you go out and draft one of these guys? So, what's your take on him? If you if you were able to study him or just your, any thoughts? Yeah, so that was back in 2017, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's really when I was first getting started doing this draft stuff. And it was him, Deshaun Watson, and then Mahomes. Obviously, that were the big guys at the top of the class. And the big thing about Mitch is that he was only a one-year starter. So right. that was the big worry about him coming out. But the arm strength was there. The decision-making was there. It was just he only started, I think it was 12 games at the right. time. So it was just the sample size that was really small with him. But me personally, I would rather draft a guy and help develop him just because of the time that I'm going to get with him. And that fifth-year option is so crucial sure. in the first round. Now, obviously, Washington already has Taylor Heineke in the building. But let's say that Heineke was looking to go elsewhere or if you're looking for that bridge guy, I definitely think Trubisky could be one of those top guys on the market as far as a bridge guy to get you to the next guy as far as the guy that you develop. So I think he's kind of in that tier like an Andy Dalton or a Tyrod Taylor, that high-quality insurance that you use to get – to the next guy. So if it were me and if I were in Washington situation, I would sign Trubisky just because you already have that type of guy in the building already with Heineke and I would look to draft somebody. So when you're not buying the whole Matt Nagy was to blame for everything for Trubisky narrative. No, I'm not. I think it was a combination okay. of okay. both, honestly. There's, I mean, we never know the truth. You're, you're right. Stuff, John, you know, yeah. I do know. And it's there's always there's always a guy to blame until after a while the truth is kind of eventually revealed for everything, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whatever. So, Jordan, I appreciate your time, man. And I really look forward to reading more of your stuff and seeing more of your involvement with ESPN. Do you have anything coming out soon that you want to plug any, whether it's podcasts, more podcasts, articles or, or what? Yeah, so I'm making my debut on the first draft podcast with Phil Yates, Mel Kuyper, and then also right. Todd McShay on Thursday. So be on the lookout for that. We'll be talking about Mel's latest mock draft and then a bunch of teams that have double first round picks in the first round. So the Lions, the Jets, and then the Giants. We'll be talking about those three teams in depth. So if you're looking just for some draft talk, some background stuff on some prospects, I'll be on there. And then my mock draft 2.0 comes out the Monday after the Senior Bowl. So I'll be posting a two-round mock draft the Monday after the Senior Bowl. So be on the lookout for that too. Hey, can I ask you one more thing? Because one of the things that this team wants is a middle linebacker. And I'm sure they're going to look hard for a veteran. But there are a couple guys in this class at the top that could be intriguing. Is there, whether Devin Lloyd or someone like that, is there somebody that would fit that bill at 11? 
So there's two guys that could be in contention for that. And the first one is N'Kobe Dean from Georgia. Right. You've seen him make plays all over the place for that national championship winning defense. Supremely smart, very smart, mechanical engineer major. I mean, he's a team captain. He's a little bit undersized at about six foot, 225 pounds. So he's kind of that John Bostic type of build. You have a lot of experience with Bostic, but right. he's much more athletic than him in the middle. He's really good in pass coverage, just a matter of him. Um, just the frame, that's something that does worry you a little bit with him as far as he can shed blocks and then get off clean and then just attack ball carriers. So I think that's something that's always going to carry with him throughout his career. But he's shown to really be fine outside of the frame. And then the pass coverage is great, like I talked about. But the opposite end of the spectrum is Devin Lloyd from Utah, who's a completely different build at about six foot three, 225 pounds. He's a former safety. They transitioned him down to linebacker after his freshman year. So he's really good in coverage, a little bit raw as far as a run defender, but he plays really well moving forward as far as moving vertically. And then if you're looking for some more down the line guys, Christian Harris from Alabama, who just recently declared for the draft, I think he probably is going to end up going somewhere inside the top 60 picks. I think that's a fair range for him. And then if you're looking for even more later down the line guys, Channing Tindall, who was N'Kobe Dean's backup at the Mike linebacker position at Georgia. He's one I think could really intrigue Washington, probably somewhere in the third round. Were you surprised that Jamin Davis didn't really make that transition? I wouldn't say surprised just because he is so raw. That was the big thing about him. He's just a big athlete running around trying to figure out things. I've always said he's probably two years away from being a contributor, but at middle linebacker, that's just one of those positions of where you can't really be patient with a guy just because He's at the middle of the defense and any wrong mistake that he has there is going to be sacrificial or it's going to be a huge stain to that defensive unit. So you really don't have time to be patient with a guy like that in the middle. So maybe they transition him to Will or Sam. We'll see what does end up happening with him. But I liked him coming out, but it was just a matter of him improving his read keys and then just figuring out how he can bundle his game really around the athleticism that he had. Jordan, you're awesome. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks as always, John. That's it for this episode. I'll be back with another one Friday, a mailbag edition. So get your questions ready and hit me up on Instagram at John Kime ESPN or on Twitter at John underscore Kime. And just so you know, it's K-E-I-M. I'll talk to you next time.